It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to Shot Up and Ball. I am Aaron Chow, accompanied by my co-host John Harris, as always. And we are here today to share our thoughts and reactions and such to week seven. Uh, it was definitely one we were just talking about this a few minutes ago, especially, especially for me. But it was a rough week for both of us, but it was a rough week for me. And I know I've had a bunch of rough weeks, but this was, oof, this is, uh, I think, easily my worst week of the year. Um, and oddly enough, there was only 13 games. So that, that says a lot. <laughs> um, but hey, it's funny to shape ball and to bounce in funny ways. Uh, nonetheless, I've, if I remember correctly, your Cowboys are on by. So I'm guessing you were chilling this weekend, huh, John? Yeah. I, and it was actually perfect timing too, cause I had a, a friend's wedding to go to. So it was, it was great. Didn't have to miss the Cowboys play. You know, it was, it was a good time seeing friends. So yeah, I mean, I did get to see some of the games, but you're going to have to, you have to fill me in on a lot of these as well. All right. Well, uh, definitely on. I'll definitely be able to do so. Uh, I will say too before we start, we had a little like anytime touchdowns, a uh, little. I want to call it a little segment. Uh, unfortunately, neither of us went three for three. I went two for three. No. I had Kenneth I Walker. One for three. Yeah, yours like we were just talking about it too. Yours was a little lucky Waddle. So John Waddle, who you know obviously had the back injury for most of that game, so he missed that one. Once again, we'll get to all the games. Uh, but then Amari Cooper, you know, the, we'll talk about the Browns game. And then ETN did hit for you, though. And then, yeah, for me, it was only Kenneth Walker that unfortunately did not fall in the end zone. Uh, so there's that. Uh, but let's get into week seven. Uh, let's start with Thursday night game. Obviously, since that's first, uh, was a relatively close one. Came down to the wire and very unfortunate ending, especially for Foster Moreau as the Jaguars win 31 to 24. Uh, over the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I mentioned that because uh, Foss Moreau had the game-tying, potential game-tying touchdown because obviously he still had to hit the extra point. But nonetheless, uh, you know, had the pass, hit his hands. Unfortunately, it was a drop. Uh, you know, sucks. And I will credit, give credit to his teammates. They all backed him up. Hey, you know, one play doesn't define a game. Uh, just unfortunate that that was one of them. But uh, nonetheless, what... You were able to watch this game, right? So do you have any thoughts yeah. on it? Okay. Um, I, I I mean, I was impressed by both teams, to be honest. When you look at, like, the overall stats, it you feel somewhat surprised about why the Saints lost. Like, they had less penalties. They won the turnover battle where Jacksonville lost two fumbles. Uh, the Saints threw one interception, so they won that. They dominated the time of possession. They had way more total plays. They were 4-6 or six on fourth down. All these kind of things. But... The, the thing that I thought really stood out to me was it it was a like, although it was 31 to 24 in situational moments, the defenses both showed up really big and specifically on third down, like the Jags were two of 11 on third down. The Saints were three of 18 and the Saints, they, they ran more plays. So naturally, they're going to get more third down opportunities. But also it felt like Jacksonville was just a little bit more explosive 
uh, was able to get a lot more done on their first and second down opportunities. I mean, Travis Etienne was doing really well in this game. It felt like when he touched the ball, you know, he was able to make some plays. Same with, you know, Trevor Lawrence. Like, he was having a solid outing, especially when it came to, you know, people were talking about him coming in with the injury and all that kind of stuff. He looked fine because he actually paced the team in rushing. You know, he had 59 rushing yards. Etienne only had 56. And so he was getting a lot of big, crucial runs where, you know, he's keeping these drives alive. Uh, and, you know, he's even doing it on second down, like I said, where the Saints, it kind of felt like they their offense just stalled out a lot more where you could kind of see. I mean, even the fact that like this is now two or three weeks in a row. I, I can't remember exactly how many times it happened where like Alvin Kamara is just getting an absurd amount of dump offs. And that's in large part due to the fact that it seems like they're I, I don't know what it is, whether it's play calling or the receivers or the chemistry with Derek Carr or just the Jaguars you know, playing well defensively. But it seemed like the Saints just weren't able to get a ton open downfield, which led to Derek Carr having to do things a lot more underneath, um, which obviously, once again, results in more third down opportunities that they weren't able to take advantage of. So. Yeah, I don't know. Ultimately, it just felt like Jacksonville was a little bit better situationally. And, um, yeah, the Foster Moreau drop happened. It's unfortunate. Um, that, I, I don't really know what to say about that one. You know, you got you got a wide open touchdown in the end zone that you could catch. You drop it. It is what it is. Yeah. Uh, I want to – one thing I want to mention, too, that you were kind of alluding to is, yeah, I think you mentioned a lot of dump-offs. Uh, there is definitely one criticism is, uh, you know, Derek Carr's – kind of gone back to what he was a couple of years ago where he's just kind of being conservative and once again now that don't win you a couple of games but especially in moments like in games like these sometimes you gotta take chances and i think we've seen too like chris olave many i'm sure many i'm not sure if you own many fancy leagues but many chris olave owners are not very happy <laughs> and i think we're seeing that there's a lack of aggression there in you know in regards to you know deep deep plays and things like that um that once again, I, I feel like it's a little bit on Derek, Derek Carr. He's never really been the most aggressive guy. And, uh, I mean, we, we saw the Saints the past couple of years, especially last year with Olave. They were able to hit some shots downfield and such. So, um, yeah, and I'm not going to use the shoulder injury that Carr had a couple weeks ago as an excuse. He's been playing for a couple of weeks now, so he should be fine. But, yeah, I mean, you throw the ball 55 times and you have 33 completions for only 300 yards. So the 33 completions for 300 yards, and once again, probably not. That's not including Yak. I probably should have looked up beforehand to see how much Yak, you know, was involved. But yeah, relatively conservative day, and especially in the NFL, usually the more aggressive team is going to win. And we saw that with, like you mentioned, with Jacksonville being able to hit a couple of plays, especially Christian Kirk. Even Jacksonville too. Like this game could have been worse. If Jacksonville, you know, doesn't have the uh, rear, weird, I don't know if you remember that, the weird Christian Kirk uh, fumble, right? Where like, he like mm-hmm. he was down and then he tried, you know, credit to him, I guess he did try to get up and, you know, make a play. Then, unfortunately, uh, you know, kudos to Paulson, uh, uh, Paulson and Debo for forcing the fumble. And then, uh, if I remember correctly, too, I think the Jags also muffed a punt as well which set up a Saints yeah, field goal like right so yeah there was a period where the, you know they had some struggles so yeah Saints had opportunities it was like you said just it wasn't just on that Foster Moreau drop that opportunities also had a missed field goal as well so um yeah we'll have to see how this how the Saints do going forward but it was I think the score is a little bit deceptive in terms of just how you know, I think the yeah. Jaguars probably should have Blown, uh, it should have been a bigger win, but you know, nonetheless, it is football. 
you only have so many opportunities. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't have much else to add. Good win for the Jaguars, taking it and handling business, you know, starting to kind of find their rhythm and be the team that we expected them to be uh, coming into the season. So, And I, I think that was kind of the big takeaway for me, too, is not just this game, but kind of the string of games they've put together. I've, I've been pretty impressed with the way that Jacksonville – has kind of found their form after starting, you know, two and two. Now they're sitting at five and two and you feel like they've, they've kind of become a lot more closer to what we envisioned coming into the season. Yeah. And last point, uh, I just want to say it's usually good teams, you know, very good teams. They went on the road and right now is right now three and oh on the road. And granted, I'm not sure. I don't think that's counting any of the London stuff too. So, uh, you know, if you can travel and still play at your best, it's usually a good indicative sign that you're a good team. Mm-hmm. So, uh, kudos to them handling handling their business on Thursday night. You know that's, that's as, as long as you're not like what was it the Cardinals when they couldn't win at home but they like always won on the road when uh, there was like one year under Kingsbury I'm pretty sure where they just could not win at home but on the road they won like every game. So as long as you're not that, <laughs> yeah. So uh, either got to do one or the other. Like if you're usually like, yeah. either got to be really great at home like you know Seattle was in their prime. You know when they were sure. Legion of Boom always going at least seven and one or eight and zero. Oh, you know at home. So you got to have place to some sort of advantage but nonetheless that's the thursday game jags take care of business let's dive into sunday because there was a lot there and i'll i guess i'll be the main one steering but uh, you know if you have any comments you can always i'll still throw it to you if you have any thoughts i i got to watch the uh the 12 o'clock games okay. so i once the the afternoon window opened up that was when i was gone okay okay so uh, let's start with your division giants Beat the Commanders 14-7. to uh, It definitely felt like a Commanders-Giants game, uh, especially with that score. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'll throw it to you. What were your thoughts in regards to your two division rivals duking it out here? What a gross game this was, <laughs> man. Like, I, I really expected... I don't know. The Giants are just weird. Like, they, they've kind of started to find their form defensively. Like, mm-hmm. it seems like, you know, obviously last week against Buffalo, now this week against Washington, like... You know, I'm not going to say that Washington's offense are some world beaters, but they've put up some big points against some good teams like in that Philadelphia game. So, you know, I, I still think it was an impressive game defensively from the Giants. And I think it's also nice on their end to have Saquon back because it, it gave them a focal point that they could build their offense around. Now, he wasn't incredibly efficient in terms of running, but like they gave him 21 carries and that's what they want to do. Like without him, I, I just really feel like and this is not necessarily a thing on day ball. It's just with the lack of weapons that they have outside of Saquon, like, like they just don't really know what to do, you know? And so, because they don't have anybody that they can just consistently rely on that they know is going to be able to make some plays, you know, if you give them enough opportunities. And so I think that really helped. Although the offensive performance, like I said, wasn't like groundbreaking. I mean, you scored 14 points. It was enough to get them the win. And without Saquon, there's a very likely chance that it would not have been enough. Like, Maybe they turn the ball over a couple times because they got to throw it a lot more or another running backs in there getting a lot more carries and they're not as efficient. So Daniel Jones takes a little bit more risks. Like there's just a lot of things that I think Saquon kind of brings stability to in this offense, even if the offensive production isn't like, you know, crazy different. Um, I, I think that he just is a difference maker. So it was good to have him back. And I think that him being there too, also kind of opened up the field where we saw Jalen Hyatt was able to have some big plays because teams were committing a lot more to the box to stop Saquon. Darren Waller had a big impact. Uh, And yeah, so, I mean, like I said, it was a gross game because quite frankly, neither of these teams are good, but 
I, I liked what I saw out of New York, um, at least in this kind of game, because although I don't expect them to make a playoff run, if you want to at least keep the dream alive, you got to start somewhere. And who knows? Maybe this could be, you know, the springboard for him. Uh, and also shout out to Tyrod Taylor. Although Washington's defense isn't very good, um, I thought he played really well. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, agreed. No regards to Tyrod. Always, I always forget to. He's had such like an unfortunate kind of road. Yeah. Remember, he was supposed to be the guy. Uh, if I remember, my timeline might be off, but remember in Cleveland, and then he got hurt, and then yep. Baker kind of like, took the yep. job, and obviously he was the first round rookie, so they had a, once he was, you know, he, he took a job and ran with it, basically. Same thing in the Chargers with the weird uh, needle thing that happened to him. Punctured the lung yeah. right before the game, week one, or, and then... Yeah, and then... It's like right and then Herbert came in and he killed it. So it's like you can't bench him now. Like I think yeah. he threw like three touchdowns or something. Yeah, so. Was, yeah. so it's like, well, great. Well, now, and then so, yeah. So now Tyrod Lance here, he's doing pretty well. Once again, I don't think there's a quarterback. I know there's already like, is there a quarterback controversy in, in New York? I mean, we talked about this before. They're paying Daniel Jones all that money. You kind of have to commit to him once he's healthy. Uh, it's great, yeah. but it is great. That's why backups are valuable. You see, you know, Tyrod, he's one of the better backups in the league because, as you mentioned, filled in nicely. And, yeah, especially once you get Saquon, you know, back. Even, yeah, even with, like you say, it wasn't the most efficient day, but stats don't always show, you know, some of those runs where that he makes, you know, gets the extra one or two yards that, no offense to Matt Breida, that Matt Breida wouldn't get, as we've seen, yeah. you know, when Saquon was out. And then, yeah, open up the... Open up a little more offense, especially for Hyatt, like you mentioned, and Darren Waller. Darren Waller had obviously a pretty good game, too. Probably his best game as a Giant. So good to see there. And then for Washington, like, I don't know. It's just so much talent on offense, too. And I know it doesn't help that they're taking a lot of sacks. And it seems like, you know, Sam Howell went from starting off really well and it's not going great. And you can maybe accredit that to the sacks, you know, the amount of sacks he's taken and such. But, uh, yeah, it's... Washington's just like uh, you say it perfectly. It's just a kind of a gross game. And these two teams are just hard to get a good feel for uh, right now or in general, because they're both kind of been trending up and down, or especially like opposite ways of kind of the whole year. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the fix is for Washington. Neither of these teams are probably being the playoffs. So uh, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll just move on. But uh, obviously good win for the giants as, as like, as you mentioned, building a little bit of momentum in recent weeks. Yeah, I did want to ask you too. Did you see the Jonathan oh, uh, uh, Allen clip? I feel for Jonathan. I mean, we're to, yeah. like you know, it's tough going from Alabama, probably where you were winning a lot, you know, first, and then yeah. now you go to, and gosh, he probably knows more than we do about all the dysfunction behind the scenes, and you finally yeah. get over that, and you still can't get over the hump. Like, yeah, I, I feel for, I, I, I understand it completely. <laughs> and I mean, you got to think about it too, like. You know, like Washington played a great game defensively here and it wasn't enough, you know, like they they held the Giants to 14 points. They they got a turnover. I, uh, did they get a turnover? I can't remember. Oh, they, had but, a, they forced a couple of fumbles. Yeah. So, like, I mean, if there's like obviously there's always room for improvement in some of these kind of games, like it's not like the defense is blameless. Like, sure, maybe they could prevent a touchdown or something. But when you hold the other team to 14 points and you still lose, that's that's got to be a tough one to swallow. Uh, which I think maybe was kind of what led to the frustration. It's been building over the years, but then you have a performance like this, and it's like, man, like, how the heck are we scoring 30 against the Eagles, but we can't even get more than a touchdown against the Giants, you know? Yeah, well, it's the NFL, so, you know, matchup league. So, uh, but yeah, no, sorry. I do, before I do move on, yeah, you did mention Giants defense looking better and better, too. 
Yeah. And Deontay Banks been playing really well recently. And obviously we know, you know, those guys on the inside, Dexter Lawrence and uh, what am I thinking? Leonard Williams. Sorry, I was yeah. wrong. They've been playing really well. And also, once again, we mentioned the Jags. Giants can win this game by more, too, because I think there was a cave on Thibodeau where literally got uh, the ball dropped right in his lap and he dropped it. Could have been an interception. So, uh, yeah, Giants defense seeming to be trending in the right direction as their offense finds their way. And uh, who the heck knows the commanders? So uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens with them. But yeah. um, nonetheless, good win for the Giants as they get their second. Let me double check. Sorry. Second win of the year, right? Yeah, yeah. Two and five. Also, I do want to say I, I feel a little bit bad for Sam Howell because I didn't realize this until this week that he is the most sacked quarterback in the league right now. Like, yeah. and you go you go look at the defensive stats. I mean, Dexter Lawrence two sacks, Leonard Williams got a sack, Kayvon Thibodeau got one and a half. Like, yeah, like the, uh, you know, it's, it's just rough. Like, that's, yeah, that's he's rough. he's all, like he's still kind of very close to that uh, David Carr pace of getting sacked. Yeah, and definitely argued this once again this. Washington team has a lot of talent too. I know, like not regards offensive line, but still some good pieces. But skill position wise, too, they have a lot of really good talent. So uh, we'll see if they can figure that out. Uh, but let's go over to another gross game. Staying on that gross topic, uh, we're going to Tampa Bay, where the Bucks fell to the Atlanta Falcons, sixteen to thirteen. I mean, this game was also ugly in regards to turnovers and such. Not to mention, you know, the whole Bijan Robinson. Had a headache, and once again, not, not not discrediting his headache, but there's mostly people upset at Arthur Smith and the Falcons staff for kind of withholding that information. Uh, nonetheless, Falcons, Falcon, basically, and get their first road win, 16-13 uh, over the Buccaneers. What were your thoughts in regards to this one? Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, you know, good, good win, I guess, for the Falcons, man. But, like, what... I don't want to make this about fantasy football every time I talk about the Atlanta Falcons, but like even the NFL, like it's they're they're investigating now because it's like a thing. Like when someone is dealing with illness or an injury, like you're supposed to report it. And so how the heck are we just allowing Bijan Robinson to apparently come into this game ill and then you're gonna say that uh he wasn't feeling very good and that's why he didn't really play. But then at the very end of the game, you give him some meaningless three-yard carry? Like, what is that? Yeah. What What is that? Like, I, I genuinely do not... I cannot wrap my head around that at all. He was even, like, out there as a decoy and, like, run blocking it... Or not run blocking, pass blocking at times. Like, he played a couple snaps, I think, in the first half. Uh, unless, uh, you know, I was looking at the wrong person or something. But I'm pretty sure he was out there from what I remember. And it wasn't long, but it was just a little bit. And I'm just like, what... If he's not feeling well and he can't go, then why is what what is he getting a three yard carry for? Like I I just I don't get it. I really do not get it. Like I've, I've ranted to you know you in the in the group chat already, but how like the the Pitts and London thing, you can put some of the blame on the quarterback and all these kind of things, and now you're it, I know it's only one game, but you're mishandling a a running back that you took in the top ten. Like this is honestly just getting frustrating like congrats falcons you're four and three you're top of the division you're winning games but there's just no way that this mentality of not like progressing our young stars and trying to include them and figure out ways to get them the ball is ever going to lead to long-term success or playoff success there is just no way like if they have to go to the playoffs and play against san francisco's defense or dallas's defense or philly's defense 
Like there, there's just no way that that's going to lead to sustained success, specifically San Francisco and and Philadelphia. Because if there's any way you're going to beat those teams, it's going to be through the air. Like the the strengths of those defenses to stop the run, and so and that's what you want to do. So like, if you haven't already figured out how to get Drake London and Kyle Pitts involved in the offense by the time that comes, there's no way you're going to figure it out in that game. So I don't know. Like I I. I, I don't know. I'm 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 very much off the Arthur Smith train. Even the fact, like the fact, the side besides the fact that they're winning, yeah. because the fact that you're using top ten draft picks on these guys, and they're basically having almost no impact on your team. Like what what are we doing? Like that's that's criminal. Like these are supposed to be the guys that are your your foundational building blocks. And I, I brought up this point to you. One of the reasons that I think it's so ridiculous is how do you expect Kyle Pitts or Drake London to want to sign a contract extension with you? You didn't use them at all, and you're probably going to offer them less money because their production was lower, when in reality, if they were on a different team, they're probably putting up numbers because we've seen in spurts when you actually decide to throw the ball because you're coming from behind, they can make plays. So I, I, I just, I don't know. It seems like a, a really like a fast track way to have those guys just leave whenever they're up for a contract extension, because why the heck would they want to stay with a team who doesn't use them and is not going to want to pay them the way that their talent deserves to be paid. I don't know. It's like I said, they won the game. Congrats on winning the game, but it's just somewhat ridiculous that it's now extended even to Bijan. I'm hoping it's a one-week thing. Yeah, I'm hoping it is. I would assume so, too. And also, I think your point has a lot of valid concerns, even just generally, because NFL's getting, you know, they're involved with gambling and such, and that's a huge factor, too. People betting, you know, the Bijan Robinson lines, thinking, not knowing that he was going to be extremely limited this game, not having an inkling, you know, on top of just not of the fantasy stuff. Uh, as well, because there's also daily fantasy in, yeah, involved too. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the NFL does if they do sort of. I, I imagine it's maybe some sort of light fine, but hey, we're going to really punish you if you do it again type deal. That's, that's what I imagine. I don't know. That, I'm not in the op- front office. I have no clue, but we'll see what happens there. But yeah, in regards to this game, I mean, just, yeah, it's what, like you said, it's ugly. Despite the, both teams really almost fumbling this game away to each other, there's a lot of ugly turnovers. I mean, it's it is what we thought it was. Credit to Falcons defense, and did, once again doing a they've been doing a great job this year of keeping them in these games where they have to manage Desmond Ritter in this offense because this was another game where they kind of have managed Desmond Ritter in regards to especially in the passing game, like you kind of already alluded to, because I think. Up until late in the game, Kyle Pitts only had like two receptions for eight yards. And one of those receptions, you know, was all over social media where like it was a poor pass. And like, yeah, I'm sure you saw it, it was like the eight yard pass where like he had to like reach yeah. behind him. So once again, like, it, yeah, that was a crazy catch. And yeah, like, and at least I will say, at least they're using Ritter in the run game too. Like, at least they're just saying, screw it. Let's at least, he may not be able to pass that well. Let's also get involved in the run game, use all of his abilities while we have him out there because. I remember at the beginning of the year, we were kind of like, at least run him, because what's the difference between him? Heineke's a better passer. You might as well go with him. So, yeah, I, I'm with you, though. A lot of talent, even on the offensive line. Great, really good run-blocking offensive line and such. Really good defense. And it's it's kind of, it would be interesting to see what happens down the line, because, and how their year ends. Do, uh, it'd be something to keep a note on. Like, do they, do they if they can, uh, do they have enough on the resume will that they'll want to continue with Desmond Ritter? We'll see. 
But uh, yeah, and we'll see for Baker Mayfield because he had a fortunately bad or not bad, but, uh, you know, unfortunate late interception that uh, kind of cost them the game when they're the, the Bucks are driving late to uh, take the lead. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll move on from that one. That was like I said that unfortunately, that was the biggest news was the whole Arthur Smith deal there. So um, let's go on to uh, what wasn't a close. It was supposed to be a good game of all the games on uh, the noon, but it wasn't as the Ravens took care of business against the Lions, 38-6, to and then it was right from the get-go. It was 28 unanswered points, in the, I think 35 unanswered too, uh, but 28-0 to zero in the first half. Uh, Detroit definitely looking lesser than they have in weeks past, while Lamar Jackson the Ravens, finally fully healthy, uh, put on quite the performance. What were your thoughts in regards to the Ravens dominating the Lions? It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, I mean, this This was kind of my worry about Detroit is they hadn't really faced a team that had the combo of an elite quarterback and a really good defense at the same time. Like, And, you know, a lot of people were starting to put them up. Like, I had seen some lists of people in their power rankings putting them as, like, a top three team and all these kind of things. And I'm not saying that Detroit is a bad football team by any means, but I think this was somewhat of a reality check that – you're not going to play Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, and Geno Smith every week, like at some point. And I will say, Detroit's schedule the rest of the way, I don't think is very difficult. No. But at some point, you have to, you're like in the playoffs, you're going to have to go against Jalen Hurts. You're going to have to go against, I mean, just the Niners as a whole. You're going to have to, if you make, if they, God forbid they were able to make it to a Super Bowl, <laughs> you're, you're going out, then you're going to go play against. Mahomes or Josh Allen or, or Burrow or Lamar again or you know Herbert or all the like whoever comes out of the AFC like the Dolphins and all these kind of teams like there's just there's a lot of teams that can do what Baltimore just did and you know I, I'm not counting Detroit out because I do think that maybe this was just a bad game uh, on both sides of the ball as a whole um, and it just kind of got away from them and like I said Baltimore is I think they're a little bit underrated this year, man. They're they're looking really strong. Lamar is playing fantastically. The defense, like I said, has been really, really good. They're one of the top scoring defenses. Like they've been they've been looking really strong so far. And we even saw that like once they got Roquan Smith last year, everything kind of just fell into place for them. So and, and you know, we're seeing some of the younger guys become more, you know, of a factor for them too. So I don't know. I just feel like you know, this was kind of a wake-up call for a lot of people of how good Baltimore is right now, but also maybe a little bit of a wake-up call for Detroit that, hey, like, let's let's not counter eggs where they hatched. Like, let's let's maybe 
tone it down a little bit. Let's not start declaring them, you know, a team that might be making a Super Bowl run. And let's at least see them have to go through some adversity first because let's not forget that Detroit's only like two years being removed from being a miserable franchise for quite a long time. And um, although I do like what I'm seeing out of Dan Campbell and what they're building over there, just remember they're still building. That's kind of the key that I want to put here. Don't don't put all these expectations on them before they're truly there um, because then, you know, you might get pretty disappointed if they don't necessarily meet up to them. So, like I said, I, I'm not counting Detroit out yet by any means because we've seen really good teams have games like this before. Um, but, yeah, this, like I said, kind of a wake-up call, I think. Yeah, you mentioned – the fact that Baltimore being balanced on both sides of the ball, but I think also on offense too. We, we mentioned going into the year, Detroit's defense was a main concern. And I think we saw, you mentioned all that they haven't really faced a lot of, I would say elite level offenses or balanced offenses. And we kind of saw, okay, they got a taste of that this week in regards to uh, Baltimore, which credit to them. Cause like you said, I think being healthy too this week helped the Ravens having, you know, Ronnie Stanley and Rashad Bateman coming back to just another guy in the wide receiver room that they can rely on. Started seeing. And also, I think it's important to remember, too, that uh, Lamar, I don't think he played at all in the preseason, too. So new Mm -hmm. system like we've seen it. It's taken a couple weeks on top of all the injuries. And now I think we're I won't be shocked if we start seeing them roll a little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, got the run game going, too. And. That led to just, I mean, Gus Edwards had an 80-yard reception. Gus Edwards isn't, like, a receiving back or a scat back. No. So, and that was off a play action, play, you know, a very good, like, RPO play action. Same with uh, Mark Andrews' touchdown. So, uh, yeah, great to see Baltimore have a dynamic offense. Hopefully, Munkin and the gang can keep building on that because, you know, we've seen before where they start off the first half of the year hot and then, you know, teams figure it out and then they never, you know, keep progressing their offense and building off that. Uh, but I liked what I saw from there. And then, yeah, on the flip side for the Detroit, like, this is just, I think I'm with you. Like, it's just one of those games where a little bit of reality check in regards to, hey, they're they're a young team. Like you said, there's still a lot, of, you know, most of these guys in this team is still figuring out how to be consistent week in and week out. And don't forget, like, especially like Jameson Williams, he's a very key piece to what they, you know, to their future. If he can be that mm-hmm. outside deep threat. And he hasn't had, you know, last preseason out with an ACL this preseason, obviously missed, I forget anything, hamstring issue, and then obviously he was suspended for a time. So he's still getting back in the fold. And as we saw this game, you know, wasn't really a factor, but hopefully he can be one because Amonar St. Brown, Brown's really good. But, you know, you anyone that, you know, especially fans people, they love him because PPR guy, but he's mostly, mostly a slot guy. He's not going to be doing damage deep and Sam, kind of same with Sam Laporta. So, um, yeah, we'll I will say on the James Williams things too. I do think it was encouraging that they they're they're showing an increasing sign of trying to get him involved because yes. I think he had what six targets or something. Yes. I mean, like you said, it, it didn't result in anything. But I mean, they they as a whole outside of Amonra like and Jameer Gibbs with like some stuff going on, they really didn't move the ball that well. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I, I I don't know. Like I said, they're they're still building, and I really think there's there's another gear that Detroit could maybe hit if it's I don't know if it's this year. But there, there's, there's still a lot of potential on this team. Yeah, they got good meat and potatoes for for a team, as we mentioned. They have a really yeah. good old line, or damn good old line, definitely top five ish, top three if you want to put them there. And then big defensive line, you know, Ian Hutchinson's good. They just got to fill out the rest, the skill position guys on both sides of the ball. You know, getting, you know, developing and or you know just getting guys via free agency. So we'll see uh, how they can improve going forward. Oh, and well, sorry, last thing too. 
because I sent this to you before this, like earlier the last week. And it's ironic that happened. I wasn't, I'm not, I'm not, once again, I'm not a Detroit hater. I really like what they're doing, but I was really upset and that the NFL put out that little like Instagram post or probably put it on socials. Like, is Jared Goff a top five quarterback? Like, come on. Like, anyway. So hopefully this. I will say that we haven't talked about him yet, but there's there's been a couple of quarterbacks that about two weeks ago everybody was calling MVP candidates and they're all oh, all this stuff. They're top five, top ten QBs, and now they've come back to earth. And uh, yeah, and just interesting. It's you know I think it's I'm not sure if this happened last year. Maybe I'm just putting it more socially aware. And we'll keep talking about some of it because like it's I it's getting really annoying living this kind of hyperbolic, I uh, was like knee jerk reaction type. It's because it definitely happened last year. I remember Tua. Remember Tua to start the year, like the first six games. Everybody's like, he's the MVP, and then he had that stretch of four games where they lost like all four and like the you know week nine range is when it kind of started. I don't remember exactly when. Anyway, like he had a couple picks that were kind of bad, and then the Packers gave me through three and all that kind of stuff, and then all of a sudden everybody's like, he's the worst quarterback in the world. It's like, gosh, yeah. I'm saying because I also you know. The Jared Goff hypes and billion of people were saying, you know, I think, yeah, because last year people were like, oh, man, they, the, the Lions won that trade because because it ha- Stafford happened to be injured last year. You know, they just won yeah. the Super Bowl. So, like, the Rams kind of won that one. Anyway, uh, yeah, and there's a couple other quarterbacks, notable quarterbacks, that people are already starting to – the haters are coming out is what I'm saying, I feel like, or because, like, I've already seen it. We'll talk about them later. But nonetheless, Ravens take care of business, like you mentioned. Kind of flying on the radar, no pun intended, because of Ravens. But um, yeah, they're looking damn good, and we'll see if they can keep uh, building and getting momentum. Like I said, Lions, I think it's just a bump in the road in the long run, especially since yeah. I think we went over last week. Their their schedule is relatively uh, weak per se. So, uh, but yeah, there is that. Let, oh, just, uh, no, uh, just I want to say too, because I've heard this statement, and I feel like it really applies to them too. I feel like it's one of those games too where it's like. I've heard people talk about like the measuring stick game where like, you know, their schedule is kind of easy the rest of the way, but this game kind of shows you how you really stack up against some of these top teams and you got a lot of time to fix that. So we'll see down the road. Can they fix that when they go to, if they got to go, if they got to go to Philadelphia, you know, do they change things, right? Have, have they learned from this game specifically? Um, So we'll, we'll see. And I will say Dan Campbell, did say all the right things. I, I really liked afterwards. You know, like, hey, like, you know, we got, you know, we'll learn from this, yada, yada. So, I mean, great guy with words. We'll see, you know, if they can put that into action going forward. But uh, speaking of quarterbacks under scrutiny, let's go to this next one because both these quarterbacks, especially after this game, one definitely got is under scrutiny, but it was the New England Patriots. Mac Jones probably has the best game of the year, statistically, as the Patriots Get the late win at home over the Buffalo Bills, pulling off the upset 29 to 25. Uh, yeah, this is definitely a shocker here. Uh, but what were your thoughts in regards to the Patriots getting the win here? It was definitely surprising. Uh, and I know, you know, like a lot of people are instantly going to blame Josh Allen yep. and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, once again, it's it feels kind of similar to like Justin Herbert versus Dallas. Now that one's a little more excusable because Dallas is a far better team than New England. But uh, like, th- there's room for improvement. But man, it, it feels like when we're when we're pointing all the fingers at Josh Allen, we're kind of ign- ignoring some of the other things that happened in this game. Notably, like 
I don't know, the fact that the defense allowed 29 points yes. to a Patriots team that offensively has been absolutely miserable. But they had like, like three points combined in the two games prior against like the Saints. And I forgot the yeah, other team they got I blown mean, out by. But Literally, they, they played the Raiders last week and they scored 17. And it's like the Raiders are not good defensively. So like scoring 17 is kind of disappointing against that team. Um, then they played the Saints, and they scored zero. zero. They played Dallas, they scored three. three. They played the Jets, they scored 15, and that was a win. They scored the Dolphins, they scored 17. Literally, I mean, they have one Before this game, the only game that they scored more than 17 points was that Eagles game to start the season, week one. they, they It was 25 to 20. And that was week one. Then after that, once again, 17, 15, 3, 0, 17. Their highest scoring game of the season. They put up 29 against Buffalo, and everybody's all of a sudden pointing their fingers at Josh Allen. And once again, Josh Allen, he could have been better. He threw an interception. You know, obviously, you know, when you're when with the quarterback, you could always demand excellence. Like you could ask for perfection. You could ask for him to go 41 to 41 and complete every single pass. It's not realistic, but there's like I said, there's always room for improvement. But when you allow Mac Jones to dice you up for 272 yards, he went 25 of 30. He threw two touchdowns. And I'm and I'm criticizing this defense because I did this week one again when they did when Philadelphia happened. He threw three touchdowns against the Eagles. He had 300 yards against them. And I said, that's disappointing from the Eagles defense. And they only allowed 20. This defense allowed 29. And for the record, I know that Matt Milano's hurt, Tredavis Schweitzer. I know they're dealing with a lot of injuries. So I'm I'm factoring that in, but it's it's kind of worrisome for, for Buffalo is that the defense doesn't feel like something they can maybe fully rely on. And, you know, Dawson Knox gets hurt in this game, so they got to go to Morta Kincaid. And, you know, it, it, who knows? He might become more of a playmaker because he showed up in this game pretty big time. But I don't know. I, I just feel like... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Buffalo, they have not looked good the last few weeks, and so maybe it's an identity thing, or I'm not entirely sure, but I... I I just don't think it's quite fair to necessarily point all the fingers at Josh Allen, especially in this game, because if, if you're doing that, you have not watched the Patriots all year, because quite frankly, allowing 29 to the Patriots is straight up embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Mac Jones being incredibly efficient, like 25 or 30. 25 or 30 only 30 sacked is once, like two. That's a big thing. And yeah, he really, they Patriots did whatever they, whatever they wanted almost too. And, uh, yeah, so I'm with you. Like, listen, I know injuries suck, but they're part of the NFL. And they still, the Bills still have solid pieces. I mean, they still have that, you know, pretty, like that 
pretty good front four, at least that they invest a lot in. You would think that yeah. they would produce more. Haven't done. They didn't do it this game. And and then, uh, yeah. So and Doug, Doug, I always do. Sean McDermott, defensive head coach. That's what you hang your hat on. Like still, like yeah. it's still very disappointing. I don't like. I know injuries suck, but that's why next man up and such. So, yeah. Like obviously, I think a good portion of blame goes to them. And yes, a, some of it goes to Josh Allen. Like you mentioned, had the turnover. But like we've said before, like who outside this offense besides Stephon Diggs scares you? And it's Bill Belichick. I know people are already saying let's fire him and such. He's still a really good defensive mind, and it's not rocket science. Like, and I'm and obviously this game, Patriots defense. Their goal was let's take away Stephon Diggs and let's contain Josh Allen too, because Josh Allen didn't really get to. A, he he ran seven times, but he didn't. Usually he has like about 20, 30 yards. It was only seventeen yards. They they for the most part contained him, in in this scramble game too. So. And then, yeah, like you said before, who scares you? No one else scares you. Like, what's I? I saw another thing where like Gabe they include Gabe Davis in like one of the like disappointments of the week for fantasy. I'm like, like this is Gabe Davis. Like, I'm sorry, but like he's always kind of we've been telling this. He's been under, he's like a wide receiver three at best. They still need another weapon. The run game is not proficient, or they're not even patient with it enough. And, you know, James Cook's been solid, but you know, we feel like we still haven't seen you know him be fully featured. And I think it's fair to criticize their offensive coordinator, too, because I feel like they could just at least be a hair more creative in certain aspects in regards to motion and getting, you know, getting us the fond digs open. If that's who you're going to feature in your offense, you know, finding easier ways than just having Josh Allen just throw the perfect ball or have you know, Stephon Diggs just make the damnedest catch you've seen. So, yeah, it's yeah, Buffalo's got some issues. And, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why we were I forget well, I was at least down on them uh, going into the year was because, you know, we always ask going in every offseason, did you get better than last year? Because if you're not getting better, you're worse. And I think right now we're kind of seeing Buffalo's in that kind of in the middle area where they haven't really gotten much better from last year. So uh, we'll see. I'm interested to see if, you know, if things don't turn around, do do they think about does, does McDermott feel the hot seat or not? I don't think they will because it seems like Bill's fans are really happy with him since they haven't had a good coaching tenure in a long time but yeah we'll see what happens and if uh, uh i always forget their why am i forgetting their oc's name but if he can i'm blanking on it nonetheless uh, it's on the tip of my tongue it's uh, a very common football name and i'm blanking on it uh i'm gonna look it up right now um ken dorsey ken dorsey thank you it's a dorsey because there's another dorsey in kansas city yeah ken dorsey like we've seen this offense is not the same as it was with um brian dable Obviously, yeah. it's not operating the same efficiency and dangerousness too that Dayball was able to uh, dial up. So, uh, disappointing result for the Bills and obviously the Patriots. Bill Belichick gets win number three hundred. Not that he probably cares or even knew, or maybe he knew, but he probably definitely didn't care, as we all know. Bill Belichick, uh, you know, he's that type of guy. So, yeah. um, let's go to another surprise, and it wasn't a surprise upset. It was just a surprisingly close game, and that is. Uh, and unfortunately, too, for our bets, especially for me, this was one I didn't cash through. Uh, the Browns escaping the Indianapolis Colts 39 to 38. Miles Garrett dominated. Uh, unfortunately, the Browns did lose to Sean Watson in this game, uh, although he was clear to come back. Uh, it was P.J. Walker that step filled in and Browns get the win here. Colts really gutty performance. Couldn't pull through at the end. Obviously, a couple of turnover or penalties that uh you know, were controversial, to say the least, at the end. 
Uh, so what were your thoughts, though, in regard to the Browns getting the win over the Colts? Well, apparently Deshaun Watson, so although he was cleared, he was cleared for the concussion. concussion protocol yeah. because he hit his head pretty hard uh, on, I can't remember if it was, I think it was the second interception that got ruled incomplete. Um, but so what happened is apparently he has a strain of the, I'm not even going to attempt to say the word because it's a big, you know, medical term that I don't know how to say within the rotator cuff. He's got a strain of something within his rotator cuff and he's having pain and weakness. Uh, apparently this is an injury that's pretty common in baseball that causes pitchers to miss four to six weeks. So I, I don't know. It, it seems like maybe he just shouldn't be out there playing at all. And it kind of sucks for me in fantasy because I started him. And if I couldn't have, I probably would have picked up Tyrod Taylor, who would have won me my game. Um, but anyway, yeah, I don't know. It seems like they should just be resting him because it, they've they found ways to win. I mean, we saw against the Niners with P.J. Walker, the defense stepped up. And we saw in this game, offensively, they were able to step up. Jerome Ford it also sucks. They kind of lost him. I think he's going to miss one to two games. I can't remember exactly how long they said he's out, but it's, it doesn't seem long. Um, because he was able to have a solid game with, I mean, he opened it up with that crazy 70 yard touchdown run. Um, then Kareem Hunt was able to have a solid performance. We saw, you know, Elijah Moore kind of have a little bit of a bounce back game here. So I don't know. They're, they're finding ways to win in various methods. The defense, although, you know, they allowed 38 points, like they still kind of showed up. They got an interception. They, they were able to cause some turnovers and, you know, give their offense the ball and some good opportunities. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they also recovered three fumbles. I didn't even realize they had that many fumbles. That's a lot. So, yeah, I mean, good win for Cleveland. Like I said, they're finding ways to win. And when you have a backup quarterback who I guess theoretically could be their third stringer, I mean, he's the backup because DTR was like a one-game thing because he's a rookie. And when they realized it wasn't good, they, sw- they made the swap. But when you got a backup in, man, you're just trying to – until unless they ever like that backup eventually establishes themselves like we've seen on different teams like technically with herbert when he was a rookie he was the backup to tyrod but then like it becomes clear like he's established or with brock purdy last year it becomes clear like he's kind of the guy um where like they're either good enough they're as good or better than the starter essentially unless that happens and i don't think it's really happening here um but unless that happens all that really matters is just trying to find a way to win because having to deal with a backup, it's tough. And if they can just stay, I mean, they're four and two right now. And I don't know how many weeks Deshaun's going to have to miss because of this, but if, if they can just kind of stay alive like they currently are, then their playoff dreams, they still got a chance. So for Indianapolis, this is a, a pretty heartbreaking loss. I saw a stat that when every game Gardner Minshew was ever thrown over 300 yards, he has never won a game. It's kind of sad because that just. Yeah, it just means that his defense is probably letting him down. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And I will say, too, like, also, you mentioned all the Browns two stepping up. I mean, Miles Garrett, it's a good thing I didn't leave him off the top five because he is dominating this year. I think we're still, yeah. uh, you know, despite the fact that, you know, they left 38 points. I mean, you could arguably say he was the reason they won the game because he, fought, you know, caused a good amount of uh, sacks. And then also, he also uh, blocked one of those field goals. I'm sure you saw it, too, where he literally, that's literally three points he took off the board. That was the difference at the end of the day. So, uh, yeah, um, and you mentioned the Cardinal Minshew fact. That's unfortunate because he had a really good game. I think we see, too, like a reason why the Colts hung around, why they've kind of been competitive, too, is, um, you know, the John, no, Shane Steichen. I always mix up the Eagles defensive coordinator. But Shane Steichen, 
very good offensive line. I think we're seeing that despite losing their first round dynamic quarterback, I know they, they've gotten Johnson Taylor back in the last couple of weeks, but they've still found ways to produce on offense. Josh Downs had a really good game. Same with Michael Pierce. He, you know, he did kind of have a broken play, but nonetheless, you know, made a play there. Uh, yeah, like Indianapolis still finding ways to move the ball, building it, you know, that identity on offense. And yeah, I mean, when we talk, it's kind of like the inverse of Derek Carr because it Garner, you mentioned he had 305 yards passing and only 15 completions. So, I mean, he was letting the ball go down the field. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because he'll have a couple more weeks at or probably maybe even the rest of the year to be the starter since uh, Anthony Richardson may miss the rest of the year. Uh, do that shoulder injury, but uh, yeah, crucial win for the Browns. We'll see, uh, you know, what status is with Sean Watson down the line, but nonetheless, they survive in advance, and that's sometimes that's all you need to do. They go to four and two, Indianapolis falls to three and four, uh, falling under 500. Uh, so let's go over to I'm, I'm trying to also factor in when if this was a late game, uh, but which game. I'm going. It is the uh, so it was the Bears game that we're going to next where the Bears won. That was still, was still I think uh, okay. morning. Yeah. Also, ESPN like shuffles it around because of whatever. But nonetheless, okay. So that was the noon game. So John can share his thoughts here. But uh, in a second, so Bears win this one, thirty to twelve. Definitely a bigger blowout than we anticipated, especially between these two bottom ish teams i don't know what you mean but it's kind of the fact matter of the fact uh but yeah bears win here with uh, tyson bagent their undrafted rookie quarterback at the helm what were your thoughts in regards to the bears win over the raiders um good win i didn't really pay attention to this one that much because yeah. quite frankly i just didn't really care um that said man i don't know I'm, I'm getting really concerned about the raiders josh jacobs has been so bad like in terms of efficiency this year it's it's really bad and I always thought he was kind of inefficient, and so I was very shocked to see what happened last year. And I have not watched enough of the Raiders to really know like why he's returned back to that inefficiency. But I can't really ever remember it being this bad. Like the expectations have changed after last year. We both had him in our top five, and he is not looking like that at all. Like it's it's pretty miserable. Uh, I, like I said, I haven't watched enough Raiders to know is it play calling? Is it the offensive line? Is it Jacobs himself? I don't know. Is it maybe the lack of a Derek Carr quarterback who, you know, can open up the field a little bit more? I'm not sure, but it's been bad. And they're not, they've already said they're not willing to trade Devontae Adams at the trade deadline. And he's been talking about getting frustrated and all these kind of things. And I don't know, man. The, the Raiders are just an absolute mess right now. I'd be kind of surprised at this point if McDaniels was to make it through the season because this is just it's it's just gross it really is just gross like it's it's kind of what's happening in terms of like the falcons where like your playmakers aren't really actually making that much of a difference um but you're doing it with like established veterans who have had a history of success in the past and you're losing so yeah yeah well at least with the raiders or at least give it like Devontae, at least with target being target it's getting the targets he's getting the looks yeah like you're saying uh at least they're at least they're trying to get their guys yeah. with their weapons it's just uh unlike atlanta's not leading the wins <laughs> unfortunately and i think that's where i want to go to because at least atlanta has a good defense raiders too i mean outside of max crosby like we've mentioned before the season who scares you on the deep who's going to make a play on the raiders defense outside of max crosby 
And this is one of those games where that was the case. No one really made a play. And the Bears were able to kind of, you know, take Max Crosby away. Very patient with the run game. And we're able to manage Bajant because I'm already seeing, I know these are kind of memes, but people are already, you know, jumping on his bandwagon. And, hey, he did a really good job. I don't want to take anything away from the guy. Uh, And he deserved to win the outer. But once again, he only threw for 162 yards. (laughs) And that was on 21 completions. So, did hey he managed the game well let's not say he won this game for the bears he, he did his job though and it did help Deontay foreman once again i don't understand why Deontay foreman's like isn't more of a featured back it seems like everywhere he goes he has to have like injury or injuries ahead of him for him to get his opportunity because every time he does get his opportunity whether to be you know especially last year in carolina and especially this game He's a solid back and he can, you know, it's not like he's like, he can't be a receiving back because he showed this game yet in prior. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And his prior tracker, he can be receiving back. So, yeah, because he had a really good game uh, in terms of efficiency as well on the ground and in the air, uh, which helped, obviously, Beja in the offense. So, uh, yeah, I mean, good win for the Bears. And... Panthers still on bye week, so they still tank they have the number one overall pick <laughs> uh, along with their own. So not a lot of pressure to tank if they want to. And obviously, I'm sure they'll take their time getting uh, Justin Fields back. As, uh, they should be prioritizing his health over W's at this point. But uh, yeah, we're interesting to see what happens with the Raiders as we head close to the trade deadline. And just as the season goes on, if you know we mentioned some guys in the hot seat, Josh McDaniels could definitely be on that since... They've kind of gone on this rebuild. He's supposed to be an offensive guru, and the offense has been lackluster. Now, granted, you know, quarterback injury and stuff, but you kind of count. I think we all kind of knew that would be a potential factor, especially when you signed Jimmy Garoppolo, and he already almost had an injury scare to begin with before the even before the season even started. So I don't know. Maybe it's an elaborate plan for the Raiders to tank for their quarterback. Although I don't think they are actually intentionally tanking, at least. But uh, nonetheless, Bears get the win, thirty to twelve. So good for them and their young rookie. Uh, so let's move on. I, I think this is the start of the afternoon games, but it is the uh, Arizona, not Arizona, uh, Seattle Seahawks beating the Arizona Cardinals 20 to 10, uh, despite not having DK Metcalf in this game. Didn't matter. Seattle figures it out. While Arizona, it seems like, although they start off the year hot, wheels starting to come off just a bit. Uh, but nonetheless, John, what were your thoughts? Did you have any thoughts on this game? Because this was a later game. Yeah, so I, I got to watch like maybe the first two drives or some of this game. But by this point, I, I was out. So yeah. I don't really know what actually happened in this one. It wasn't. Um, I, yeah. 
I mean, I remember seeing at least early, like Kenneth Walker was having some success, but other than that, I, I don't really know. Yeah, I mean, it's typical kind of Seattle where offense, you know, was sputtering at times, but they found enough, made enough plays, especially as the game, uh, early in the game, you know, uh, with, we saw a little bit of Jackson Smith and Jigba have some, obviously got a touchdown. He had some production. Also, Jake Bobo seems to be a guy that they're that maybe are featuring more. Maybe you know, maybe one of these guys that they found late because he's been uh, had a couple good weeks now. And then on the flip side, I mean, for Arizona, like we've mentioned, just I think lack of talent is starting to catch up to them. But I still think they're a really well coached team. I mean, they hung around this game late. It was still you know ten seventeen going to the fourth quarter, one possession game. Uh, but I think we're starting to see. Their, their limitations, basically. So I mentioned to see just for them how they handled the Kyler Murray, you know, coming back situation. Do they take their time, you know, and just let him come back at his own pace? Or it'd be interesting to see. Uh, because Apparently, go ahead. from what I've read, okay, they are very eager to see him play. Like, mm-hmm. I, I read a whole report on it this morning about how they want to see him play. And even at the so in his contract, there's like a thing that if he cannot pass a physical at some point during this summer, that all like his money would become guaranteed. Not all of it, but some of his like he'd get extra guaranteed. And even despite that, like because you know there's potential of oh uh, they'd move off of him and blah blah blah. Even despite that, they're like apparently they are dead set on we want to see him play this year. So, hmm. so we'll see. Uh, but. It'd be interesting, and I hear it too because I mean, you may want to see how he fits in the system. If you know, in case you have to make the decision to draft a new quarterback, if you're in the position to do so, or you know, stick with him, especially with because we are you know with. I would already say this offense is at least more creative <laughs> and uh, better than it was under Cliff Kingsbury, which. Not, uh, but we'll see. Obviously, once once he is eventually under center, but uh, oh, also one other thing, ah, I forget. I think it was Seattle. Everyone's saying that Tush Push is, you know, overpowered and such. We'll talk more about it later. But I think if I remember correctly, Seattle tried it. Didn't work. So it's not, you know, I think it's, we'll talk more later. But it's starting to look like it's just more of a talent thing. It's not just, you know, some broken play like in Madden. Yeah. Uh, but um, anyway, Seattle gets the crucial win. They go to 20, or say they beat the Cardinals 20 to 10, move to 4 and 2, Cardinals 1 and 6, unfortunately. But that is not too much of a shocker <laughs> in our eyes. Uh, but let's go to, what is one of the shockers, but honestly, shame on us, I guess, for not believing and or not being wary, well, especially on you because you put 300 on this one. And it was the Steelers uh, getting the win against the Rams, 24 to 17. Typical Steelers. Um, do you have any yeah. comments before I, I guess I break this one down? Of course, man. Of course the Steelers do it. You know, Of course it would be the freaking Pittsburgh Steelers that do this. Yeah, I mean that's that's, that's I, I I didn't watch the game, but of like, of of course, of course, of course. Yeah, I mean, so in regards to this one, I wish the I think Rams really missed having uh, Kyron Williams here because I mean Royce Freeman and Harrison actually had a pretty efficient days, and I think they probably should have more patient with the run. Uh, but Steelers, they were kind of all over the Rams' passing attack. I know Puka Nakua had a good game, but even then, that was a lot of just Stafford. You know, and Nakua just making what's the damn just throw and catch. In regards to that, just making some great plays there. Even the Tutu Atwell touchdown, uh, it was I think that was supposed to go to Cooper Cup, and like it was it's just, it was one of those like or 
it was just we're supposed to go to Tutu. Uh, but anyways, they definitely, as I mentioned, Cooper Cup Steelers were able to take him away. Even the one of the TJ Watts inter, his only interception. I don't know if you saw it. He dropped back into coverage, by the way, and like like a safety too, like a one of the better all pro safeties. Just I guess he knew a tendency or maybe it was something that they were coached. Once again, I would love to know, but he just jumped a route like a like a professional, like a freaking Pro Bowl defensive back, just jumped the route uh, on Cooper Cup on a Cooper Cup pass and picked off Matthew Stafford. It was really just a great play and read. And yeah, I mean Pittsburgh just finds a way. It's not pretty offensively. I mean Pickett was a little more efficient. I think we saw that, you know, having Deontay Johnson does help a little bit. And, you know, having that guy that can, you can throw the five yard slant or out route and he might be able to make a guy or two miss. And, you know, all of a sudden second and five becomes second and one, you know, and okay, Pittsburgh, we can, we can get that one yard. You know, uh, I think you know, things like that helped having him back. And, uh, you know, his offense, it's not pretty, but they find in crucial moments ways to move the ball. Cause even at the end of the game, you know, it's a tie ball game and they manage to go on all of a sudden they manage to go on a 10 play 80 yard drive to, you know, to, to give them the lead. And uh, granted, it was helped by a couple of penalties. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, yeah. And George Pickens also looking better and better as season goes on, too, as a, he made. He was also making some great plays. Uh, but, yeah, it's Steelers, man. Uh, credit to Mike Tomlin in the game. Four and two. And I mean, technically behind Baltimore, but because Baltimore has played, doesn't haven't had their bye week. So Baltimore five and two, Pittsburgh four and two. But uh, yeah, good win for them and for a tough loss for the Rams, especially at home. But we'll see, uh, you know, if they can bounce back. And like I, said, I think it's just a bump in the road. Cooper Cup, you know, silence, but it's just the Steelers, man. The Steelers are going to steal her. I know it's not a great analysis, but kudos to Mike Tomlin and the crew for just figuring out ways to win these games where they were not the better team for majority of the game. And they still, you know, at the end of the day, make just make a couple of plays more than the other team. I mean, they're four and two and they've, they've beaten some solid teams. They beat <laughs> Cleveland. They beat Baltimore. Like they're, they're, I don't know, man. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does it, man. Yeah. It's kudos to them. Kudos to them is all I got to say. Cause I don't, I don't know, but hats off to them. So, yeah, they, they really put us behind the eight ball in regards to our picks and bets. Uh, but let's go over uh, to Kansas City, where the Chiefs took care of business against the Chargers, 31-17. to This is one where I already have people already seeing, especially the Tua gang, saying, oh, well, now it's it's over, John. Tua's better than Herbert, but nonetheless... Uh, w- any thoughts before or or comments in regards to this game and the Chiefs win? Uh, I mean, it's it's the Chiefs, so like I expected them to win. Also, I think it's about time that maybe we start putting some credit on the Chiefs' defense. They've yes. been absolutely fantastic on the year. Like, and I'm not just talking about like they've been good. I'm talking like top five defense good. Like they've they've been kind of incredible, and I don't feel like they're necessarily getting the credit that they deserve on that. So I mean, it, you know, it's only week seven. But Kansas City's defense has been a pretty massive reason as to why they have the record they have because I've seen a lot of, you know, Broncos fans sharing the picture. You can put Mahomes and Russell Wilson stats side by side. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of context missing here, but Russell Wilson has better stats, right? And so, you know, and and ultimately, you know, there's there's that. Once again, context is missing. But Chiefs defense, what I want to say is, Chiefs defense has been balling out because it's not requiring a 
superhero Mahomes season for them to win games, which is good. Like you, you shouldn't need that. Like that's the ideal scenario for your quarterbacks. We don't want, uh, well, fantasy people want this. The fans want this, but like as a team, you don't want to have to have Mahomes go out there and throw 50, 60 times a game and have to be in shootouts all the time. Like you want to be able to sometimes hang your hat on defense. They're, be, they're able to do that. Um, like I said, I didn't get to watch this game. I didn't watch highlights or anything either, so I don't even know, like, in terms of the interceptions and all that stuff of what's happening. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. The uh, the Chargers offensive line, I think, is is also, it, it's bad. It's really bad right now. Like, I think Herbert's the second most sacked quarterback in the NFL. I could be wrong on that, but I think I saw that somewhere. Um, so it's it's starting to get pretty bad. And they just... They can't move the ball like effectively on the ground, really. Like I know that Josh Kelly like had a big day, but like Austin Eckler back to back, like really rough games. And even Kelly, like I imagine Most that was that, on that forty nine yard run. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I was about to ask because I imagine that came on like a big play because it wasn't like they were featuring him a lot. Yeah, forty nine yard run. He had seventy five yards, so like over half of his carry or half of his yardage was on one play, and that includes the touchdown. So. I don't know. It's it's the Chargers it, at this point. I mean, Brandon Staley probably should have already been gone. And I wasn't a big fan of the Kellen Moore hiring and all these kind of things. But I if I'm the Chargers, I just I really don't know how I can stick it out another season with Brandon Staley, um, even the rest of this season, because they have far too much talent for them to be two and four right now, to be honest. I, I know they've played some tough teams the Chiefs, the Cowboys, some of these teams, but the, they're far too talented to be 2-4. and four. No, I completely agree. And especially, we talked about Chiefs offense that going into this week, we knew, okay, like they, it's not the same Chiefs offense as before. They're not clicking on all cylinders. And everyone knows, as of right now, the bread and butter, it has been the past couple years, especially this year with their lack of continuity and talent at wide receiver as of right now, was it's going to be Travis Kelsey. And... What's better than free money? How you choose to spend it. Open a CQ checking account and get $250 to spend freely. And that's not all this credit union offers. Do your banking, build credit, and invest in your future. Visit secumd.org today. Kelsey still killed him. Like, and this is Mahomes' best game of the year. So, and like you just said, there's a lot of talent on this Chargers defense too. So it's kind of inexcusable. And you're a defensive head coach, Brand Staley, and this is a division rival. You should know them very well. And... You know, we just talked about a couple of the other division games where they're kind of stinkers. You know, New England was able to, you know. So, yeah, like in terms of that, that's why I'm with you. Like at this point, I I, I, I try to defend Staley and you know, try to be a, you know objective along with you. But, yeah, I'm on the same boat. Like at this point, I think they have to. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I'm interested to see the candidates. But, yeah, I, I, I would expect them to move on, maybe get an offensive minded head coach. Because it feels like, you know, Anthony Lynn wasn't really that guy to start with. And then, you know, they moved to they got the defensive head coach, which I understand at the time, you know, Staley was the bright young defensive mind. Uh, but, and I don't want to be mean, but it just, it feels like Staley's going to be one of, the, is one of those guys that he's just better as a defensive coordinator as opposed to a head coach. And who knows, maybe he'll be better if he gets a different position elsewhere down the line. But yeah, like this defense has been lackluster. And then on the other side of the ball, like also the offense, I know that is it is a new offensive coordinator, new system or whatever. But yeah, like I think that's also where the front office kind of failed them in regards to like they haven't really gotten outside of Keenan Allen. I know they had Mike Williams, but 
no one else really scares you in terms of position, skill position guys. And they did grab Quentin Johnson and we both liked him, but Quentin's, it seems like still trying to find his way. He's still struggling, especially in regards to some of his other rookie counterparts uh, to get production. Uh, but yeah, regardless, I mean, and it's, they got work they got to do on the, on both sides of the ball. And I, yeah, I really hate that, that, uh, there's also another stat that I've seen being thrown around. Herbert has like the most losses, you know, out of any quarterback since he basically started, became the league. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, the chargers have kind of been a mess. You know, that first year with Anthony Lynn, Anthony Lynn, like literally Every, their offense was run, run, pass on third down. So that was, and Herbert still produced then. But then, yeah, the past few years have been rough. Once again, I know Herbert has been perfect. He missed Keenan Allen a couple of times, missed him, you know, on a touchdown pass this week. Although I don't think it was really all on Herbert. Uh, I know you didn't watch. It was like, they were kind of like five, 10 yards away from the touchdown. It looked like it was, in my opinion, I think it was supposed to be, the play was a screen pass call. It seemed very much so, but it looked like both chief defenders bit on the screen. So Keenan Allen kind of just slipped his block and just, you know, went kind of, it looked like it was an improv kind of Keenan Allen just slipped and ran for the, straight to the touchdown. Mm-hmm. And I think, as you know, sometimes when the play's call for a screen, but, you know, he saw it, Herbert tried to throw it, he missed him, uh, you know, and it was, you know, missed, quote unquote, missed him wide open. But, you know, when the, I just think that, it kind of caught Herbert by surprise that the Chiefs did that, and he tried to adjust. And you know, when your your feet your footwork's off, you know, he, he had his footwork was meant to throw the screen as opposed to throw the the go route. Basically, I don't know, uh, but nonetheless, yeah, the Chargers they got some work to do. And uh, yeah, I I I, I, I side on that that uh, Mahomes Russell Wilson graphic that you mentioned because our friend Mitch sent it to me too, and I was like, what, what yeah, Mitch? What are you doing? It to here? me as well. I was like, what are you doing here? Like, we all know Mahomes is awesome. Like, come on. Like yeah, like, yeah, because that little graphic, I don't think it includes yards or rushing yards. Because by the way, Mahomes has been really good in regards to uh, extending plays, and we'll talk about the Denver probably in a minute here. But that's something that Russell Wilson, since he's came to Denver, we haven't seen the uh, escapability. Sorry, so uh, I don't want to get on a rant down that line. But uh, yeah, and also Chiefs receivers, though I will say, found a little more chemistry here. Granted, like we said, Chargers defense has been very disappointing so maybe not too much of a shock that you know marquez valdez scantling had his game where he had you know a a deep bomb and the rasheed rice he's of all the receivers he seems to be the one trending in the right direction he's been the most consistent in recent weeks in regards to you know just being a factor so uh yeah uh obviously chiefs handled their business continue to dominate the afc west chargers it's looking more and more like we said that the hot the seat is getting hotter and hotter by the minute for Brandon Staley, and it just seems like divorce is inevitable uh, for the two. So we'll see uh, if that, if slash when that happens. Uh, but let's go on to my Green Bay Packers, the last game of the afternoon slates, and oddly one of the games, the only other game I got right, <laughs> and I was it's because I didn't pick the Packers as uh, they lose to the Denver Broncos, nineteen to seventeen, an opportunity late to win this one. Did you see any of this one? I, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw this no, zero this game. Okay, literally, that's okay. Literally, that's okay because I unfortunately watched this whole thing. Um, it, it's it's the same story. I mean, in regards to the Packers, where just outside of a couple of really good throws and plays, I mean, even one of the, the touchdown to uh, a late touchdown to take the lead to go up seventeen sixteen. Uh, it was so they're at the about two. It was like about two three yards from the uh, goal line, if I remember. It was a fourth down, John. Romeo Dobbs runs, runs a kind of a slant, and he's like kind of in the slot, and then I think Jaden Reed's on the outside. 
Rob Dobbs runs a slant. Love throws a kind of behind him, goes off his hands, but just so happens it lands right in the hands of a Jaden Reed. So kind of a lucky touchdown there, if I'm going to be honest. So score is a little bit deceiving. Um, but yeah, it really was just eh, Packers offense. I like I know Love had a good completion percentage wise, but they stalled out a lot on offense. Uh, you know, a couple of you know missed opportunities, especially to Christian Watson. There's you know a time where he vastly underthrew Watson. It was it was an interception. I think that was called back on a penalty, but nonetheless, um, yeah, just lack of continuity. I mean, the leading receiver yardage rights was AJ Dillon, so I think that that says a lot in regards to how the Packers struggled. Uh, and yeah, Aaron Jones, I know he's supposed to be the spark. You know, he's supposed to bring a spark back to the offense. Didn't really seem that way. Uh, but hey, his first kind of first week back fully in that role. And then, yeah, I mean, Denver, they, they did enough to win. Like I said, this is kind of, you talk about ugly games. This one was kind of just an ugly-ish game. Uh, we'll say too, Denver was able to run the ball seeming like at will. Javante Williams could have had an even better day than the stats show. There's a couple of times where he got shoestringed or, you know, just could almost broke the tackle to break it open, but, you know, tripped up and, you know, got downed. Uh, so it could have been even worse than it was. So, yeah, it's, it'll be very interesting to see how my Packers do going the rest of the year, but it's not looking great. That's what I'll say. Yeah. But I'm not here. I'm not going to ring the alarm bell yet and give up on Jordan Love. And I doubt that Green Bay will, too. I'll let, I will say this. Unless Jordan Love absolutely shits the bed for the whole rest of the season, I honestly think that he'll be fine obviously we you want him to go through some growing pains so uh and i will say it hasn't helped at the offensive line i, I know i don't want to bring injuries i'm not saying excuse the loss i'm just saying in regards to evaluating jordan love it's still not really fair because obviously missing bakhtiari hurts and this offensive line obviously is just not been the same as it was last year and obviously losing a big piece and bakhtiari doesn't doesn't help in that so yeah. um yeah it's it's typical packers it seems like for this whole year uh yeah and anything else before we move on i'm excited you didn't watch this game so no i didn't watch this one i mean i'd like to see more javante i know we got 18 touches but i feel like the guys have he's having some good games the last handful of weeks where we're seeing the efficiency is really good like it's five yards carry and so sean i think you know maybe it's time to really lean in on the guy him and jaleel mclaughlin is like the change of pace yeah i will say i like i like that that's quietly becoming a really fun duo because mclaughlin is definitely the more speedster and uh, provides the same so we'll see if they can keep using those two uh to help help kickstart this offense has russell wilson been solid like we mentioned so not not my homes level <laughs> like some people want to throw out but he's been he's been good good enough definitely better than last year uh, I will say so. Uh, all right, let's go to the Sunday night game. Uh, and this one uh, was handled by the Eagles. Uh, it was supposed to be a little bit more of a closer game. I know the score shows 14 points, but Eagles pretty much dominate this one 31 to 17 over the Dolphins. Uh, did you get a chance to watch this game? I watched like by, it was over by the time I watched, essentially. Okay. Yeah, the wedding went late, so I, I didn't get home till quite. It was also like an hour and a half drive away. So by the time I got home, it was basically over. You're good. Uh, so, yeah, in regards to this one, I mean, let me start with the Eagles offense. They seem I will give them credit that they, especially in, at the beginning of the game, they seems like they have a couple game plan specific creative plays, like a screen to Dallas Goddard. I think most of Goddard's production was off like the first quarter. So obviously there's emphasis to get him going a bit. And obviously he caught a really creative screen for, I think that was a touchdown there. Uh, but other than that, it was just 
the Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown show. And I will say I was a little bit surprised that Philadelphia was able to run pretty solidly, especially with Swift against the Dolphins. Not overly, but um, but yeah, A.J. Brown, pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, my boy Sims has already, you know, put out a tweet saying, like, hey, AJ, A.J. Brown's a top three wide receiver. And I would definitely say he's in that conversation. He's definitely shown that the past at least year. Uh, that uh, yeah, especially the stretch he's been on the most the past few games he's been amazing, uh, and on the opposite side, Dolphins offense we saw uh, that I will give them credit early on they tried to run did not work out <laughs> they tried to be patient with the run it didn't work out and I know they lost Waddle and I know they lost a couple of linemen I'm already here and you know I'm already here Dolphins fans or two apologists you know it's oh the refs come on like. As a, especially as John would know as a Dallas fan, come on, don't, don't complain about the refs. There was uh, other than, like it's not like the refs decided a couple of plays. Like they got their butts kicked here because although Dolphins scored seventeen points, seven of those were a pick six off a deflection that went right into the, the linebackers' hands for the Dolphins. I'm just, I'm just, I think it was Jerome Baker. Yeah, it was Jerome Baker. Literally, it was a deflected pass right into his hands, like a twenty yard pick six. That was easy. Uh, other than that, Dolphins, and then I think three points too was off a Jalen Hurts fumble, which was also in plus territory where they, they have to go much. Uh, so yeah, credit the uh, Eagles defense, uh, especially their secondary, because they were able to really contain Tyree Kill and Waddle for the most part. I know Tyreek still had, you know, there's still a play where Tyreek beat the defense, but for the most part, definitely held them in check, especially for Yak. You know, we mentioned, and I'm sure as you know, a lot of man, a lot of the bread and butter Mammy too is getting them these five seven yard passes or even the screen plays, you know, where they get the ball. And as you know, Terry dances or shuffles around mm-hmm. and still somehow gets 10 more yards. Cause he just, you know, shakes the defender. They did a really good job. Eagles rallying. And then also just getting pressure on Tua. And then we saw this game too, where, uh, you know, Tua had to pat the ball a little bit. It seemed like the Eagles had a good feel for taking away some of his first and second read. And then all of a sudden now Tua has got to pat the ball and, you know, and it was, it was, it was tough sledding there. So, uh yeah it, i'm not gonna say the dolphins are frauds or whatever because you know it is one game and it's you know it, opposing conferences but uh yeah definitely interested to see going forward like we like, like we mentioned at the top of the podcast last year they started off really well but when the season gets on when the weather gets colder and you know and i don't and it is a factor of the weather and playing outdoors because if you're a speed team speed kind of gets taken away well, as opposed to the Eagles, they're have really good size on on both ends of the ball. Size use size not really affected by the weather. If anything, that helps when you have better size on on your both your lines. So, uh, obviously, we'll see if the Dolphins can get healthy down the stretch. But uh, yeah, it it was Eagles pretty much winning this one and in control for most of the game. Uh, but uh, yeah, anything else you wanted to add? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I, like I said, for the Lions, I think this is a wake up call. I know, well, maybe not as much because, like, I feel like Miami's wake up call was against Buffalo, and Buffalo just absolutely like smacked them around and kind of did whatever they want. But this is another one, once like a measuring stick game. Two of the teams that historically over the last handful of years have been making some playoff runs, Buffalo and Philly, um, they, they both kind of just had their way with you. Uh, they were able to kind of take away what you wanted to do offensively, hold you to a lower point total than, you know, the crazy amount of numbers that they've been putting up against some of these bad defenses. And 
defensively too, they kind of broke down. Like I, I think Buffalo had like what, 40 points. Like it was a high score. Mm-hmm. It was 48. I think it was, I don't know, something crazy. And then here Philly gets 31. So yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, measuring stick game, even though, like I said, I didn't really get to watch it. It just, um, this kind of shows you where Miami stacks up. They still got a ways to go. They still got to figure some things out. I know they're not, they don't have Jalen Ramsey. You already mentioned the offensive injuries and all these kind of things like and, throughout the season so far, but measuring stick. Yeah, and to be fair, they didn't have Xavier Howard, but nonetheless, yeah, like still as a whole, like they, it was troubling. And I do want to say, because it will apply to this next game too, uh, the Monday nighter, but once again, like we've mentioned, we know two is really good. And I will say he's better than a little bit better than, you know, than I initially projected him to be. But like we've, you know, I've said when all the McDaniels tricks are gone, when it's just pure drop back, can you dissect it? Can you, you know, just make the, uh, the perfect throws and just and such or improvise on your own? Seeming like, like those were our concerns about Tua. And, you know, I don't think I know it's the Eagles are probably the you know, top three, top five roster slash team so it's a little bit of a anomaly in regards to you know the teams you're going to go up against but once again you get in the playoffs you're going to have to play a lot of teams of this caliber that are going yeah. to focus on taking away bracketing Tyree Kill doubling him like the Eagles did and then and, you know and being physical and such so uh yeah just like I said a very important uh, important litmus game slash uh you know reality check for the Dolphins uh, for their future success. And I do just want to say too, like, I, I don't want to call the Dolphins overrated, but when you look at their schedule so far, I mean, the, the games where they put up major points, they played the Chargers defense, the Broncos defense, the Panthers defense, and the Giants defense. And the Giants one, I mean, as we've seen, the Giants are actually, you know, they're kind of turning it on. So that I, I would say that's an impressive one. But even then, two or through two picks in that game. And the offense could not move the ball at all. They ran like Eric Gray was the Giants' leading rusher. He had 12 carries for 25 yards. Yeah. So I mean, it's kind of an easy game. Like so, but like like I said, I mean, you look at the other games there. The Chargers, one of the worst defenses in the league. The Broncos, arguably the worst defense in the league, one of the worst. And the Panthers, one of the worst. So it's like you're putting up major, major numbers against some teams that aren't great defensively. And I, I only bring this up because this is kind of a theme of me for the last two weeks is if you're going to criticize the Cowboys and Dak for certain things, just quite frankly, the only two teams that the Dolphins have played this year that have winning records, they have lost and they have lost convincingly. Yes. Yeah. And that was the Bills 48 to 20. And now the Eagles 31 to 17. All the other games they've played, Chargers, Patriots, Broncos, Giants, Dolphins, or Panthers, all of these teams at most have two wins through seven games. Yeah. And or the Chargers. The Chargers, I think, have three. Yeah. But regardless, so, like you're mentioning, two, no, they're two and four. Yeah. They're two and four. Say, so, like, yeah. Literally, I mean, that, but like the best team that they have beaten theoretically would be the Chargers, who are two and four. Yeah. And that was a close so, game. That was a very close game with down the wire. Yeah. They, they won by two. So, I, I don't know. That's all I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not saying they're frauds like the Vikings were. I'm not saying that they're overrated yet. But if we go throughout the rest of this schedule, they're going to play the Patriots again. They already beat them, and they should beat them because the Patriots have been kind of miserable. Um, they're going to play, you know, some other bad teams like the Raiders, the Commanders. 
But if we go throughout this schedule, and notably they play the Chiefs, the Cowboys, the Ravens, and the and the Bills again, if those four games, if they were to lose all four of those games, then I want to hear all the people who are sitting here talking about Tua and this offense. I want to hear you criticize him just as much as you criticize Dak, because I've heard my entire life Dak doesn't beat winning teams, even though last year he was five and one against them. But <laughs> to start his career, it was Dak doesn't beat winning teams because he would go like two and six against them his sophomore year. I'm just pulling that number out. I don't know exactly what it was, but I do know the first four years of his career, it, it was a struggle. Like he had a losing record against winning teams. And like I said, so far, they're 0-2 against winning teams. They're beating up on bad teams. That's what they're doing. Yeah, one-sided teams, too. Teams that, like you said, maybe, yeah. like I said, Giants, you know, they have a solid defense, but like you mentioned. But terrible offensive, offense. Uh, terrible offense, so not a, a good balanced team. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. The Chiefs, too, in Germany, so we know about that. Uh, and the only thing I want to add to is Jets. Jets could also be a, a team that could give them Jets, trouble, too. Yeah, we sure. know how good and fast that defense is, too. And, uh, you know, as long as the offense does their thing, the Jets could also be an interesting uh, and they, and they play them late. It's late November, middle of December when they play them those two times. And, uh, you know, I don't expect Aaron Rodgers to be back, but the guy seems to believe he's playing this season. I don't <laughs> think he will. I think he's just yeah. talking to talk. But the only reason I say that is the later the season goes, the more that a defense like the Jets in the cold weather, all those kind of things, that's where they thrive. And we saw this last year. The later the season goes, too, for Miami – the offense started to struggle towards the end of the people started to adjust. They figured out some of the stuff McDaniels was doing. Maybe they, you know, they they could just kind of find ways to beat you. Everybody gets banged up. You're dealing with injuries. You don't have everybody available. Can they still compete? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And sorry, last point. Too. I don't know. I mentioned the weather, but like weather is a real thing late in the season because you playing in the snow, you're playing these you know, yeah. subpar conditions. It takes away your speed. And that's what the Dolphins, especially on offense, are relying upon timing and speed. But. When they yeah, factor in the elements, that can be a concern. So uh, obviously, yeah. and might I add too, actually, well, I, this is unrelated to the Dolphins, but everybody talks about Jared Goff and the weather. They're playing outside, and it wasn't ideal conditions when they were playing Baltimore. I think there was like a little bit of rain that happened yeah. or something, and Jared Goff struggled. So mm -hmm. it's it's a real thing. It is a real thing. Yeah, and that's why we tell you arm power, throwing pass. So like that's one of our criticisms of Tua. Can he in those inclement weather? Can you mention the Green Bay game last year? Sorry. But like it just th those are real factors. Throwing through the wind, throwing through the elements, having a powerful arm, but on good enough tight enough spiral too. Along with that, just all those things factor into your success late in the year. So uh, we'll see. Uh, obviously, more of these two teams going forward. But let's get to the Monday night. Last but not least, and it was another shocking upset as the Vikings primetime Kirk showed up apparently it's a good one i guess uh but uh as the vikings win 22 to 17 over the 49ers i'm i know i'm guessing you were able to watch this game as well because you, yes. you were commenting okay so i'll throw it to you what are your thoughts here um man the vikings surprised me i'm not gonna lie they they shocked me i did not see this coming out of the minnesota vikings so good on them because we obviously know that they were talking about you know, the, the whole Kirk Cousins situation. He didn't want to get traded and all this stuff. And, you know, obviously in the locker room, things are a little bit different than maybe the GM's office. The GM might want to, but maybe the players, they like Kirk. The coaches are down. Like, obviously, I don't think, like, NFL players want to tank. Like, maybe a couple do, like, because they're like, ah, I want a better quarterback next year. We can get, you know, this guy. But for the most part, like, they're competitors. They want to win games. So, like, when you see these terrible teams – 
don't think that like there are all the players are just like giving up and stuff. Like I think a lot of them do want to win for their own pride. And uh, that we see that with the Vikings. They they come out here, they get a win. They're now sitting in three and four. And it feels like a season that was looking like it might have been lost. It's not quite saved, but there's hope. There's a chance if they can kind of keep it together while Justin Jefferson's out. Maybe he comes back, you get a boost. Maybe you kind of figure things out as you go. Who knows? Maybe the Vikings can bring it back. Um, but yeah, I, I would say, honestly, out of uh, I don't know, the last couple of years, this is probably the most impressive game I've seen out of the Minnesota Vikings. I, they did it on... The, the thing that really impressed me, too, is they did it on both sides of the ball. Not only were they able to have success offensively, uh, and I'll talk about that in a little bit, but like defensively too, they, they looked really good defensively and they were able to stifle what San Francisco wanted to do. They forced that fumble on McCaffrey. They intercept pretty two times, almost three times, or well, not, not a third interception, but he almost fumbled on that one play where he, he was getting sacked and he threw it forward. And that very well could have been another turnover. So like the Vikings were kind of all over the place defensively. And um, before I hear anybody, th- oh, they didn't have Debo. Like, come on. Once again, you got McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and that offensive line. And you're going to give me that BS against this Minnesota Vikings defense that has looked like Swiss cheese throughout the year. Like, I'm I'm not hearing that. This was kind of uh, this was an embarrassing game, I would say, on both sides for the Niners. I wouldn't say defensively it was the worst. There were some kind of freak plays, but like the the big one that really stood out to me was that Jordan Addison yeah. long touchdown. <laughs> At the end of the was, half. It was, yeah, it was an interception essentially, but Jordan Addison rips it out of uh, Ward's hands and takes it. Number one on Ward, maybe knock that down. I don't know. Like there's no real, I, I can't remember where exactly it was on the field, but I don't think if he catches that and intercepts and goes down there, there's much chance of them getting a field goal. So maybe I'm wrong on that, but like, play it safe there but also what what are we doing on the defensive play calling like i i haven't really been like that much paying attention to the defensive play calling for the niners because over the year they've been really solid but that specific play you blitzed right before the half with how far back they are no safety help you leave your corners on islands i understand the logic is that you probably want to i don't know like prevent him from having time to throw but just quite frankly, like, I don't know. I'd, I'd play it safe, like, yeah. and just put your guys back. Don't blitz. Make them drive the ball down the field because considering how much time was left and everything that happened, that's just kind of inexcusable um, as a play caller because, I don't know, it, it seems like when I was watching the game, the one thing that I would say was very impressive in regards to Kirk Cousins and the offense was Kirk – he was sitting in that pocket and he was stepping up when he needed to. And I felt like he was, he handled the pressure. Well, I don't think, did he get sacked in this game? He did not. Yeah. He didn't even get sacked once. So good on the Vikings offensive line. Good on Kirk to get the ball out on schedule. I mean, they're doing this without Justin Jefferson. I don't know. Like I said, like the Vikings have kind of had a weird year, but I thought this was just a, a really, really impressive win. And also I texted you, Jordan Addison, that guy might be the real deal, which is kind of scary if you have him and Justin Jefferson. I'm not saying he's Jefferson level, but he's he's been balling this year. Yeah, him and then Augustine also had a really good game too, and we want to yeah, add, and which killed me in fantasy two leagues. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you know some credit goes to the st- uh, that's the fan- uh, O'Connell. I almost said the wrong one because uh, I think like you said losing Justin Jefferson, but then finding ways to 
have Jordan Addison get Jordan Addison and have success. Obviously, that one sixty yard touchdown was a little bit fluky, but he still had a really good game. Even if you take that out yeah. of the equation, um, and yeah, it's, and even like even though it was fluky, the the fight to take the ball was you know like it's impressive. Yeah, and um, yeah, like even then, like it's I know like I'm not gonna sit, go as far as say it was embarrassing because man, you take that one kind of fluky touchdown away. The Niners probably win this game. You know, that's literally a one possession game. Uh, but as we saw in the fourth quarter, and I think credit to Brian Flores, and I think a little bit more credit needs to be given to the Vikings defense because they haven't been great, but man, what have they been working with? And the past two weeks, they've been pretty solid. I mean, I know it's the Panthers, but they held them to 13 points. Chiefs, I mean, it was tough, but 27 there. And then, you know, Bears, like, they, for the talent they have, they've done what the most they can, especially this week, though, was very impressive. Taking away the run game, and uh, like we've been kind of want not, not really wanting, but been interested to see. Okay, now Brock Purdy, can you drop back? And like you said with Tua, can you drop back? Games on your shoulders now. You, there's no there's no play action plays that are going to help you know create one on ones or you know get guys open. It's just pure drop back. They know you're throwing. Can you deliver? And we saw especially with both interceptions. Just it's not like it was a you know. Uh, miscommunication it just was a poor throw on both of them to be honest and that was a concern of ours uh, about purdy is hey he doesn't have the greatest arm he's a solid thrower but not the greatest arm and uh we saw but both of those poor timing too in regards to that like i think one of them like literally right to the safety like i I don't even know what the thought process was like i said that's where and i'm trying to think the one later i'm I'm kind of blanking on even then i don't i don't remember it being like oh like you know because usually I, I try to side with the quarterback. I try to be, okay, like, was it maybe a miscommunication or with a wide receiver? But no, like, both of them were pretty much, like, straight to the defender. And, like, the the second one, I could be misremembering, but from what I remember, he, he kind of, I think the pressure kind of pushed him a little bit to the right, and he turned back. It wasn't like he, like, the Mac Jones one against Dallas where he, like, completely went, like, crossbody, but he, he kind of went back to the left and just tried to force it and, like, I felt like it was really it just showed the arm strength there because he tried to throw it in a, a relatively tight window that he just he doesn't have the arm for like he yeah. he wasn't gonna make that throw and it, it was it was a bad decision honestly just because you you gotta know that like that's you're not that guy like you're not Patrick Mahomes who can make that throw yeah uh, and I, I don't say that even disparagingly about Brock Purdy but it's like we've we talked I've I've said this about Joe Burrow before there are certain throws that Rodgers, you know, like uh, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Herbert, like the guys who have those cannons, they can make that throw. Joe Burrow's a top four quarterback in the league. He can't make that throw because he doesn't have the arm strength they do. And that's that's just how it goes sometimes. Like physically, maybe you're not as gifted. But I will say in defense of Burrow, I feel like Burrow would have just thrown the ball away or checked it down as opposed to yeah, he, yeah. At least he knows his limitations. Or, yeah, and he's always aware of the moment. Well, Purdy, I think we saw on at least Monday night, it didn't seem to be that case. Uh, and hey, you know, once again, I think I'm not sitting here saying he's trash. I don't think either of us are saying that. We're just calming down the hype on him and just trying to be realistic in regards to hey, he's really good, or he's good. You know, good enough, definitely good enough to execute the offense. And hey, every now and then make a play off schedule for the offense. But he's not, like you said, of the caliber of those elite guys where they constantly make plays on their own or they can do things like you said that 99 percent of the other quarterbacks in the league just can't 
So yeah, um, yeah. So it was a day, like I said, maybe a little bit of wake up call for Birdie for Purdy and the gang, and uh, to, you know, despite injuries and such. But once again, everyone's dealing with injuries, so not gonna like that's not really a great excuse, uh, especially at this point in the season and how the season's going. So uh, great win for and the I, bike. Go ahead. I, I want to add too that for all the people who were crying that he was the MVP and that this guy's elite and all this kind of stuff because the way that he started the season, which for the record, like, I, I don't know. I don't <laughs> want to sound like a Brock Purdy hater here, but I did think the way that he's like, I felt that the, the start, the start of the season for him was a little bit overrated because of the Cowboys game. Like the rest of his stats on the season weren't like that great. Like, like it wasn't like he was lighting up these other teams. Like the Cowboys gave me through four touchdowns before that he had five total in like the previous three games, four games, which is like good, but it's not like he was like out there doing like what Mahomes did when he was, you know, in his rookie year or his first year starting where he was like throwing five, four a game, you know, and everybody's freaking out about that. And then the Cowboys game happens. And obviously, you know, he had a solid performance. I'm not taking anything away from him. He absolutely diced us up. But because of that, all of a sudden, everybody started putting him on this pedestal when in reality, it was one game. And then he comes and then we, we play Cleveland and everybody's like, oh, it's, it's a defense. Man, Gardner Minshew was able to have success against that defense with the Colts. So like, and, and I'm not, once again, I'm not trying to take anything away from Brock Purdy, but that was a terrible game. And then against the Vikings defense, who has been very bad on the year, he, like we had two bad turnovers and everybody talked, oh, clutch this, clutch that with all these QBs. The guy drove down the field and he had multiple opportunities at the end of that game to take the lead and they didn't do it. And so, and that was with McCaffrey, Ayuk, George Kittle, that line, your defense played, I wouldn't say amazing, but like they held him to 22 points. That's a winnable game and you weren't able to do it. And I, I'm only saying this because there's other quarterbacks that we're talking about right now, like Josh Allen, like Justin Herbert, like Dak Prescott, that if they're if they were in that same situation, I'm not saying they're guaranteed to win, but their defense allowed more points than the Vikings scored. They didn't have the weapons necessarily that Brock Purdy has. They don't have the play caller of Kyle. Sh- they don't have all these things, and we're blaming them. And yet, for some reason, Brock Purdy is blameless. That's all I'm saying. Like, keep the same energy. Keep mm. the same energy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, uh, like I said, not excellent. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> Really hate the because also and sorry last point this is not really regards this game but yeah like I'm already seeing like the Josh Allen haters come out like oh all he did was you know almost beat Mahomes in divisional game and everyone you know and I'll use crown like this like no like Josh Allen's pretty damn good have you seen <laughs> like like are uh, they forgetting yeah. the year before when they went to the conference championship like that's he, what like, they're saying that's what they're saying runs. they're saying that there's just that run that everyone's basing off but like no like he's had amazing well, no, but years. I'm saying the yeah. one that you're talking about that was the divisional overtime loss I forget the year after. So, because that member, that, that was the year the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, I forget. But yeah, so and yeah, there the, you go. Yeah. So, like, he, he's had multiple runs. Like, I, because I've seen that exact same thing that you saw too. Because I will say that that overtime loss to the Chiefs is one of the greatest quarterback performances I've ever seen out of a player. Yeah. Um, like, Josh Allen was absolutely, both him and Mahomes were just absolutely going crazy. But I've seen that comment and it frustrates me because people are saying I, that was all he had the year before they went to the AFC championship. That was the picture of Stefan Diggs watching the Chiefs celebrate like they've had multiple runs. Let's not act like he only had that one performance against the Chiefs and that was it. You know, yeah, that game didn't get the ball at, at the overtime. They Chiefs won and then just 
you know, uh, bring to bring. Con- and I should have said this when we mentioned the Patriots game. Once again, Patriots game, he put them ahead, and then their defense let the Patriots drive down the field. Not only a chance to score the game-winning field goal or game-tying field goal, but to punch it in with Mike freaking Gasecki gritting, doing the ugliest gritty yeah. on them too. If and if he had thrown an interception on that drive that they scored when they had a chance to take the lead, people would be absolutely eviscerating him for it. They already are blaming him, but they'd be eviscerating him for it. Yeah, because he, he, he's... He, I guess he should have just gone out there and guarded Mike Kosecki himself. That's, yeah. the only, that's the only way he could have solved this. But anyways, yeah. uh, that'll do it for us for now as we we try... Hopefully we've ed- educated some, at least... Even if it's just one person, educated the public. Listen, like, context matters. Let's not overreact to cert- certain things. Like, have a broad Stop. scope claiming people are mvps after five games yes like it's still like we said all along it's so early in the season let's look at it let's not react game by game let's look at the body of work and yes like it's the nfl too i think that's what the last one i want to make it's the nfl people i think too so we see these upsets yes they're upsets but it's not like college where oh my god you know georgia lost i don't know that they did but you know like georgia lost to you know middle tennessee state like you know and like it's not this is not that disparity of talent level like it's the nfl they're all professionals and i know yeah you know obviously there's going to be teams that have more talent at the end of the day but like we said you have limited possessions in the nfl and uh yeah it's just it's, it's welcome there's to the pros reason they say any given sunday and, yeah that's why i title. i mean i'm at the title this one the any given sunday part two because i tell last week any given sunday and this week was wild as well but that's just the nfl for you that's why it's so hard to have a perfect season or an imperfect season very yeah. are very rare so uh, and I, I want to reiterate too, because I actually I feel a little bit bad about the way that I kind of shredded the lines earlier. <laughs> we've once again we've seen some of the best teams in previous seasons get absolutely dumpstered on. Like I remember remember that one time the Chiefs played like the Buccaneers and they just got absolutely demolished. Or no, it was the other way around. The Buccaneers got shredded by Kansas City in the regular season. And then they, and then, yeah, and then they beat them in the Super Bowl. And it was so it's like <laughs> yeah. So we've seen some of the best teams in the world get destroyed. So. Although we're talking about all these teams, once again, we're we're not sitting here declaring that all the like the the Dolphins and the Lions are gonna they're gonna miss the playoffs. Oh my gosh, Tua and Jared Goff are the worst quarterbacks in the world. They're gonna get benched. Like, calm down. I've already I literally saw a post today about oh if Brock Purdy plays bad against the Bengals next week, he might lose his job. To who? <laughs> Sam Darnold? Like, what are we talking about? No, no, no. Sam Darnold's on that trust tree. <laughs> uh, no. Purdy will have to no. So, uh, anyways, that'll do it for John and myself. We'll be back. To make our week eight picks, even though I probably just shouldn't even show up because I'll probably, I, like I said, I, I'm i very tempted just to start picking reverse. I'm not going to. I'm, I do want to keep the integrity and obviously break down. But man, it's it's been a rough, it's been a rough couple of weeks for me pick wise. So, uh, yeah, nonetheless, uh, hopefully your team survived this crazy week. Uh, unless you're like John's, maybe your team is on by. Nonetheless, we'll be back for week eight to make our picks and analysis for that. Uh, I'm going to review. Y'all do it first.